welcome back to Tiny Voice Talks. And I'm really excited today because we're talking about Tiny Voice Talks becoming. And I'm chatting to someone that I've come across, funnily enough, on Twitter, as I usually do. And this person goes by the name of Teacher Paul. Now, I didn't really know who Teacher Paul was, except that he was a real positive source on Twitter. You know, I found him on thread after thread after thread, supporting people and conversing with people. And I was thinking, wow, I so need to find out who Teacher Paul is and how he has become Teacher Paul. So Teacher Paul's real name is Paul Hume. So welcome, Paul, (laughs) to Tiny Voice Talks. Hi, Toria. It is so lovely to have you here. It really is. So. Who is Paul Hume? Well, that is a question. It's a question I've been thinking about, you know, listening to your blogs. It's one of those questions that, you know, when you come in, when you come across that in an interview, it's kind of, it takes a lot to think about because you have to, you're more than just, you're more than just your name. And, you know, I'm I'm Paul, I'm 42, um, but teacher Paul's just one aspect of me, if you know what I mean. That's my... You know, that's I'm on Twitter, but um, I'm, I'm so much more than that, if you know what I mean. It's, it's hard to, to really describe. So, yeah, I'm Paul, 42, now a deputy head, uh, but I've been teaching for 13 years. I love what I do. And, you know, these last few months in lockdown have really shown me a positive side to the teaching profession and a positive side to Twitter that I kind of, it really surprised me. It took me by surprise. I've, I've kind of been really overwhelmed by the the love and the kindness that has been spread, you know, day after day, week after week. And it's such a pleasure to be part of that. And for for you to give people like myself a voice. Um, I'm, I'm someone that used to sort of shy into the background, especially on Twitter, where you've got so many profound voices out there. I would be more of an observer I get that completely. I really do, because that was who I was. I was really scared, Paul, of putting my voice out there in case I got shot down in flames for having the wrong sort of opinion. And I I was an observer for a long time, which is why I think I'm so passionate now about speaking to people like you and finding out who you are. Because I see you as Teacher Paul, and I know that you're such a positive presence on Twitter. But actually, it's, it's, and I think sometimes as teachers, we become known just as the teacher. But actually, there's so much, there's so much that makes us into who we are. So where did Teacher Paul start? Where, where, where does Paul Hume come from? <laughs> well, I was born in Scotland. I was born in a town called Kirkcaldy in Fife, um, where I grew up with uh, three other siblings and um, f- you know from there I-, I moved on to university in Manchester um, when I was 20 was it? yeah but yeah so most of my life spent in Scotland and until I you know moved to Manchester for university. If I'm doing my calculations right though between the age of 20 and when you become a teacher <laughs> there's a gap I'm pretty sure because I'm pretty good at maths and I'm pretty sure there's a gap. gap I didn't just go from uni straight into teaching. My journey was very, you know, you know, I have written a blog about it. It was an interest. It's been an interesting journey. Let me just say, Um, you know, I had no real idea when I left school what I wanted to do. I mean, I got to university Mm -hmm. in Napier University to do architecture 
but um, after school, but I, I just didn't feel, you know, I'd followed my friends into the sciences, which was, which was great. I loved it. Um, didn't really explore my artistic side that I knew I had a talent for art. Um, and so I just went back to college, did an art course at college and then followed that with um, a degree in fashion in Manchester. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so still not really knowing what I wanted to do. It was an, that was an interesting journey as well. Absolutely. Well, that sounds really interesting, a degree in fashion. So architecture followed by fashion, loving that. So really, really sort of developing your creative self. I think the trouble was that I just, that's, that's the thing. And I think back to what makes me, you know, why teaching was probably the best thing for me. Because if I think back to school, you know, I just loved, I loved school. I loved all subjects. I didn't really have, I preferred more than the other. I just loved them all. I loved learning. And, um, Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, my first UCAS application form, my guidance counsellor said to me, you know, I don't think you should submit this because it's not really clear what you want to do. I had, I had law, journalism, Russian, marine biology. <laughs> do you not think, though, it's incredibly hard at the age of seven, 16, yeah. 17 to go, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest <laughs> of my life. I had no clue. I ended up doing the most random degree in law and Russian. I you know, my father was convinced he wants me to become a Russian diplomat. <laughs> he had this thing about me becoming a Russian diplomat. It didn't work out, funny <laughs> enough. But it is that thing about I I felt directionless at that age. And, and anyone that knows what they want mm. to do, all power to them. Because I was like you. I wasn't sure. Exactly. I just that That's the trouble. I just liked, I just enjoyed everything. So there wasn't really one thing that I could say. Right, that's what I want mm. to do with my life, or, or this is better for me. I just mm. thought, let's just go to uni and see what happens. So I just, you know, I just, I, I did the fashion. I, I was really interested in it, um, but I still, I didn't yeah. know that that's, I still didn't know that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And when I left uni, um, I just, you know, I needed to earn money. So, you know, me and my partner, we were just working in kitchens, uh, scrubbing pots, yeah. um, waitering. Uh, serving in restaurants um we just got caught up in the sort of earning money side of things and then you know I found work in a call center and eventually worked up to a supervisor of a call center and then pops in the evening mm-hmm. I, I still didn't really know what I was doing with my life but um it wasn't until I came to London so my partner got a job in London working at he's an actor and mm-hmm. he got some work at Madame Tussauds and that oh wow that, that was really exciting too. a bit of a suddenly you know we were it was, it was quite sudden and we were, we were, we found ourselves in London quite quickly, uh, quite soon after. Um, and my, my dream was always, I knew where, where I wanted to live, not necessarily wanted what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to live in London. That was my dream. And so I ended yeah. there, but I still didn't know what I was doing there. So uh, while Paul was at, um, yeah, he's called Paul as well. Isn't he? The suits you've got two Paul. amazing. I love that. <laughs> and our mums are called Joan as well. But, uh, um, no that's for this is the reason i do the podcast i'll be honest it's for these snippets of information i love them yes um so sorry go go back we're in london yes yes. paul's got his job you're in london i still don't know what i'm doing so like i found so yeah okay so we were living in we went from a a lovely big one-bedroom flat to this tiny little box in west kensington just a little box had everything in the literally showering in the same room as we were sleeping in anyway 
beside the point. It was it was London, and um, I found work in a little pub around the corner, just working in the kitchen, really, just to get some work. Funnily enough, that was the pub that Paul had worked in himself when he had come to London once when he was seventeen. Um, so that was another little coincidence there. But I still didn't know what I was what I was doing with my life, and then Paul found work as a supply teaching assistant in a special school, and he was really enjoying it. And he he said to me, "Do you want?" So you should do this as well. It's a little bit better money than what we're doing, you know, scrubbing pots here, going in the evening, you know, we're, you know, we could make a little bit more doing this. And I was like, there's no way I'm walking into a school. <laughs> so I just had this fear of walking back into primary school. Yeah. And I was like, no, there's no way I'm doing that. But I thought, oh, well, what, whatever, I'm just going to go along and just see what it's like. And I went in and I was placed with this, it was, a, it was the, it was quite a severe special school. So they, they, it was everyone had a one-to-one. And there was children. Mm-hmm. And I was placed with this lovely little boy, completely mute. You know, he wouldn't interact with you. But I, I don't know. It's just the environment. I just I just felt this. there's something right here. I, st- I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life, but I just felt there was something right with that one. And so I carried that on and we got placed into... You know, we were placed in various secondary schools as teaching assistants around London, mostly girls' schools. Um, I went to one mixed school. Um, and sometimes we were placed in the same schools, which was nice. So me and Paul would be working in the same schools, and sometimes not. But I was starting to really sort of, I was really enjoying it. I, I knew Paul necessarily wasn't, he, he was focused on his acting. That's what he was doing it for, but... I still didn't think I wanted to teach, though, at this point. I was quite happy as a teaching assistant. Um, there was no way from what I could see. I, was, I just, I didn't feel suited. I knew that I can, I don't know. I just felt that I, I wasn't as suited to maybe teaching at secondary school, just from what I could see. Maybe that was just the schools I went to. I just felt there was, there was no way I could do that. No, I, I relate to that completely because I originally trained to teach secondary. Right. And... For me, it didn't feel right, but I couldn't tell anyone, and I still can't tell you what didn't feel right, but I didn't feel at home. For me, as soon as I walked into primary school, it was like I'd arrived. I felt at home, and I knew that's where I wanted to be, but I can't tell you why. Well, exactly. I was placed in a school in East London. I was placed in reception. Now, in Scotland, we don't have reception. So I've been placed into the office. So I had this expectation that I was going to walk into the office, the reception, and be and just do some admin or something for the day. I, I wasn't really sure why they were placing me into a primary school to work in an office. Because uh, <laughs> you don't have reception. reception as in an, I'm with you now. I'm with you. You see, I come from Northern Ireland, which also has right. reception. It's got P1. And you've got P1. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you because it is like, why, why am I going yeah. to an office? That's very strange. Yes. I'm Until there. they said to me, follow me. And they led me around to this room of children no bigger than my knee and I had just been working <laughs> with you know girls who are either the same height as me or taller or children who are much mm-hmm. so suddenly I was placed into this room with, the, with you know these beautiful little children just running around just enjoying their lives and I just I don't know it's that felt suddenly it felt right and then I was placed into years and that just yeah. felt even more right and just I just loved three it was just mm-hmm. Wonderful. I had a great teacher who I'm still friends with. Um, we just had the we just had the best year. It was so good. And I just knew from them this was where I was 
this is what I need to be doing with my life. I can teach everything because I love everything. And it just went from there. I did the GTP at the school. I stayed at the school, did the GTP. And, um, and I, I guess the rest was history. You know, that there I had found I had become, <laughs> if you think about it like that. Yeah, no, you. I think it is about that. I don't think from the podcast that I've done, Paul, I'll be really honest, it doesn't seem like people are necessarily going directly into teaching. You know, I always had this, this this thought that people just sort of did school, university teaching. And actually, it appears that a lot of teachers have found themselves moving into teaching. And I find that fascinating. So tell me then about the next sort of becoming, which is becoming a deputy head. How did that come about? How did leadership come about in your life? Do you know, if I think it was just about my life in general, just the whole journey, if I think back to it, I've never, the, the, when I've not, when I've not, you know, pushed for it myself, life has just steered me. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I really like that. And I, I think you're so right when you're not mm. seeking it. Comes. Yeah, because I, I think back to, you know, my NQT year and I think I had this sort of this ambition. Um, you know, you could attribute that to your star signs if you want. You know, I'm a Leo um, and I'm very... Oh, I'm an Aries. <laughs> star sign. Although, did you know, sorry, complete aside here, did you know that they changed the star signs a few months ago? <laughs> and I suddenly became a Pisces. I was distraught. <laughs> There was no way you're going to take the Leo out of me. So I. I... No, but that's how I felt. I'm like Aries through and through, fire sign. I'm not moving into being a fish. Sorry to any Pisceans out there. So, anyway, sorry, going back to being Leo. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, but could you imagine telling a lion they were a fish? Anyway. No, exactly. It's crab just over, yeah. Deep level. So, yeah, I think back to this, um, you know, when I started my NQT, I had this sort of ambition, this this kind of like almost like an arrogant view of where I was headed. Like I'm going, to, I want to be a leader. I want to be, even though, you know, not aware that you're actually a leader of these children, you know, you're already a leader. You know, I had this ambition that, you know, oh, I want to be, I don't think I ever wanted to be a head teacher, but I just wanted to be, I don't know, a senior manager, you know, that I, I, I kind of had that focus rather than, you know, just the job at hand almost. It was like, what do I need to do? I'd like plastered yeah. behind me. I had like the excellent teacher standards and I was post-it noting all this nonsense. Do you think, and this is a, just a, do you think our profession makes people feel like they should be driven to be that senior, you know, sort of leader and a senior leader and, you know, do, or do you think it's just an innate I don't thing? know. You see, I think... You know, I, I did go back to doing supply for a while and working in different schools. And you're not seeing many men. And when you do see the men and they're in your senior management positions, you kind of feel that, well, I want to be there with them. You know, I'm yeah. older than them. Yeah, and I'm, I get that. You know, I don't know. There was, a, there was that sort of under sort of anxiety underneath about... Yeah, sort of yeah. a pressure, an, an invisible mm-hmm. pressure that actually you, you you should be aspiring to this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, little did I know, though, that, well, I'm glad that the universe humbled me with all the experience that, that came my way to sort of forge me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going through, 
you know, my first blog, I talk about it. So like in the, you know, when I, when I was leading RE and then I went on to leading the humanities, I was asked to sort of reinvent the curriculum. The head teacher wanted me to redesign how we, how we taught the subjects of history, geography and RE. And, you know, she was trying to push me without doing too much consultation, even though inside I thought, no, I really do need to talk to the staff about this, but she was adamant, just push it through, push it through. And, you know, I had to learn the hard way. So I went into the staff meeting to tell them, this is how we're going to be doing it. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, Bet that went oh, down well. Well, there was silence. Um, lots no, of, like, weird looks from people that I thought, were, you know, I got on with really well, but suddenly they were looking very confused yeah. and quite upset, actually. Um, and I think, you know, I was right. After that, I thought, no, let's come together. Let's all talk together and let's let's just bash this out. And we all came to a much better place. But I, it, I needed that to happen, for instance. That, that knocked me down a little bit, which was good. But I think it's, again, it's interesting because we are trained to be teachers. We aren't necessarily trained to be leaders. No. And then suddenly we're forced into a leadership position. And it's like, you know, you look at um, leaders in businesses and they are trained in those leadership skills. For me... I discovered leadership purely, or I, I discovered the correct leadership skills by basically doing it wrong so much. Well, I think that's true. I think um, that's what's made me the leader I am today is, is those not stakes. Mm. Um, you know, I've had those lessons that, where, you know, I was doing quite good lessons, actually. And then, then there was one where I just totally mucked it up, you know, at the last minute, just introduced lots of new things that I'd never even got my head around before to up the lesson mm-hmm. just to make it thinking that that was the right thing to do only just a, a whole yeah. mess of it actually on the on the day and it actually just um that was good for me, for me to happen as well that brought me down a little bit as well it's like no just keep your lessons clear and simple and and then actually keep your communication clear and simple you know clarity and simplicity is kind of key as a leader it really is what I like is that you're saying that basically, you know, the stuff that you've learned is through the mistakes. And I think embracing our mistakes, someone I was talking to the other day said that we are walking mistake makers. And I really liked that as a phrase because we are walking mistake makers. But actually, it's about learning from those in order to improve what we are doing and who we are as people. Um, another, Well, I was going to say that another sort of um, turning point for me was when I was mentoring, I think entering somewhere it's a good sort of mirror into your soul because you're suddenly you know it's your actions are having an impact on on someone else they're lying on you they're looking to you so it's it i think that was that was a great experience for me mentoring someone is at the same time helps you to sort of reassess and evaluate the qualities that you've got as well and that was a great reflective moment for me. I think mentoring is such a gift. It really is. It is the biggest gift to, to the person who is mentoring because you do, you learn so much about yourself. And um, learning to listen and, 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 and speak up, you know, it, it took me a while. I, I just burned myself out. That's because I wouldn't speak. I wouldn't ask for help. I, wouldn't, I just felt I, do, I was doing everything. I took the whole world onto my shoulders, overplanned, didn't take any time for my well-being, um, and that soon burned me out. And that I had to go through that as well. So I took I took a step back, took some time out, and mm. it was after that I realised actually I'm not going to allow this job to 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 do this to me. You know, this isn't the vacation I, I wanted yeah. for me. 
And so after that, I, I kind of found my, my confidence again. I fought against the bureaucracy and the administration. I found my own way of working that worked for me. And I would, you know, nothing would change that side of me. I found a, a very, at least a very basic way of working that, that, that made my, my day-to-day practice more efficient and allowed me time for my well-being. And, and as long as that basic stayed, then I knew that I'd be all right. And everything else would have to take second place with that. So that, that was a great moment for me as well. It was a great confidence moment for me. And interestingly, once you made that very bold decision, actually, you are, you know, you are now a deputy yeah. head, which came from that bold decision. And I think it is so important that we do put our well-being first. And, you know, when we are living and breathing 24-7 at the job and we, we aren't doing anything yeah. else... We do burn out. And then the, our children do not get the best of us. Our colleagues do not get the best of us. And we are basically just trying to survive. Exactly. You know, it was a dark moment, but it was a necessary moment. Uh, I learned just not to chase things anymore. I learned, I just wanted just, I realised, just be a good teacher. Just really get, to, you know, you love these children. You love what you do. You love the teaching. And just let it go. Just ride it. Just ride the journey. And so I stopped chasing it. I just stopped chasing leadership. I was like, there's more important things to what I'm actually doing with, with this job. And, you know, and it was so good. It was like a, a release. There was a burden released and, and it still happened. So after, you know, I worked in a few schools again on supply. And then there was one school that just had, there was a gap. We, the, there was no uh, phase lead for Key Stage 1. Yet teachers were under pressure. With, you know, the year two SATs, the phonics screening, uh, there was not really any sort of robust phonics taking place, and I was, but the teachers were didn't, they didn't have a voice either. The, the management weren't listening to them, and I thought, "Stop! Well, do you want me to speak for you? You know, I can take your take your um, your queries to management for you." And then it, it was from there that I, be, I became the key stage one phase lead. But, but that was just because they needed it. It was an it was a necessary need. It wasn't because I I felt like a you know I want to do this. It wasn't that. It was just that it was a need that arose. Um, yeah. And then even after that, I went back to supply again a, a few, a couple of years later and found my, myself into uh, another school where they really needed someone to help with assessment. They, the head teacher was swamped. She had governor's meetings coming up. She had Ofsted coming. Um, she only had an a, she only had a assistant head, but she was under pressure from an RE inspection that was due as well. So re- they had no one to help with assessment. And so I, I just offered that because... There was no one else really able to do that. So I, I, I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll do that if you want. And then um, that kind of really helped. And I, I would have probably become deputy, but um, you just, it, I was on a temporary supply anyway with that skill. And then I found myself into another skill. I mean, it was a really weird journey. Like, uh, and then I found myself into this current school. And then after a year, you know, she, she really needed someone to help once again with, with assessment and curriculum so um, yeah. she asked if uh, if I wanted to be the deputy I, w- I wasn't chasing it either again but it, it's just interesting how it's happened I look back and I think these are it's only ha- it, I've never chased it it's, just, it's something that's just happened but I had to let go once upon a time yeah I think that's such a powerful message Paul for everyone out there and for the new teachers out there that actually in order to get to where you know to, well it, not even in order to get to where we want to be, but we don't need to chase things. If we just are, things will come to us. 
such a powerful I think that's message. amazing. And you know what? What I love is that you have just become, and I am sure that you are going to continue becoming. Um, my final question, which I ask everyone, Paul, is if you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would you love to have been taught by? Well, I have to go back to my primary school. There was there was one teacher there in, in P7, year six. And that was uh, Mrs. Bizet. She was just a she would be, she's my sort of standard of who I aim to be as a teacher. She just had a, she just, she made it look so easy. And she kept, she kept calm. You know, there was some tricky children in that class, but we were a calm bunch. She made so, <laughs> so enjoyable. She just filled us with this sort of, she just obviously was just passionate. She just obviously had the passion for it and just loved it. And that, that, that oozed into all of our projects. She, she made it all project-based as well. Just, there was just such a lovely, um, it just felt such a lovely atmosphere. And we had laughs. She would read to us and we laughed and, and we had a serious conversation. But she was just, I don't know, if I could be taught again by her, I would, I would love that. I'd love to wake up one day and be back in her class again, being taught by Mrs. Bizet. She sounds wonderful. She really she does. Great. So, Paul, you're a, you, you love writing. How do people find your blogs that you've mentioned? Ooh. Well, um, I've been using Men Teach Primary to publish my blogs. Okay, perfect. So, is is there a web? Is there a, a site or anything that people can find that on? Or is it best to just find it via Twitter? Find it via Twitter. I have also set. Up, I am in the process of setting up a Wix, so you can find me on Wix under Teacher Paul nineteen seventy eight. Teachpool1978, perfect. And your Twitter handle is also at Teachpool1978, exactly, isn't it? Yes. Perfect. Paul, it has been delightful talking to you today and discovering how you became a teacher and how you became a deputy head. And I wish you a really lovely day. Thank you, Toria. This has been amazing. You're doing so much for us, giving us a little voices. It's so good. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>